Well, greetings to everyone on this God's holy Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. We know that God rested six days, but on the seventh day, right from the very beginning, that first week, he rested on the seventh day. He did not rest on Sunday because Sunday represents the first day of the week. And when you look at that logistically, it's about as far away. It's at the beginning of the week, whereas the Sabbath is at the end of the week. And Satan has done a masterful job in deceiving the whole world and to keeping his day and worshiping him. The subject tonight or today, as we are here in the Southern Hemisphere, is the incorruptible seed. But before we get into that, the events of the past day or two have been so encapsulating the attention of the majority of the world that I'd be remiss if I did not make some comments about this. So we will be talking about the incorruptible seed. But first, let's talk about what has happened, what happened on Thursday, 6.30 British Standard Time, when Queen Elizabeth II died. And as they say, the Queen is dead, long live the King, as it is in this case. The moment of her death, Charles became King Charles III and takes over the responsibilities of the crown, even though his coronation will be a little time forward from here. Now, what we find back in Genesis, the third chapter, is that Satan, the devil, deceived Adam and Eve. We all are very familiar with that. And we have the prophecy where Jesus Christ was going to come and totally crush Satan. And we heard, we've been hearing about that regarding the Day of Atonement, the day when that takes place, which is also inexorably linked to the Passover. Because as Michael had mentioned, you know, without atonement, there will be no Feast of Tabernacles. And likewise, without the Passover, there will be no Day of Atonement. So you cannot separate the two. There's, as I said, they're so inexorably bound together, you cannot separate them. And we understand the message of both. And we look forward to the message during the Day of Atonement, which is coming up upon us very rapidly. Now, we find that Adam and Eve were corrupted. They were corrupted by an incorru a corruptible seed. Now, who planted that seed in the mind of Eve? Well, it was Satan. And so Genesis 3 and verse 15 is talking about the incorruptible seed, which we have available to us through the sacrifice, the death, and the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can read about that in Romans. We're looking at Romans 5, where it talks about this. Romans 5, and let's uh, look here at um, verse 12. We'll just read these couple of verses. Therefore, by one man, meaning Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world, by the means of sin. So sin has been there right from the very beginning, as soon as Satan was allowed into the garden. And by the means of sin came death, and in this way death passed on to all mankind. So that is the seed of corruption 
that Satan sowed, and we, the human race, we swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. And it's only by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his resurrection that mankind is going to be saved from the evil, dirty, filthy, corrupt works of Satan. But in the meantime, our minds were corrupted. So continuing. And in this way, death passed into all mankind. So we are corruptible flesh. And for this reason that all have sinned. Let's drop down now to verse 15. But should not the free gift be even as the offense was? For if by the transgression of the one man, going back to the original Adam and Eve, man, man, uh, man many died, how much more do the grace of God and the gift of God, which is by the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many? And that, of course, is talking about the incorruptible seed that has been made available to us. So again, the queen is dead. Long live the king. Much has happened because just three days before the death of the queen, she inaugurated the new prime minister, Liz Truss. So we don't know what Liz Truss has in mind, but some reports that have come through is that we may be looking at an even more liberal government. Uh, one comment has been made about one of the ministers. I think it was the Minister of Health. Uh, the comment made online was that she looks anything but like a minister who is suitable for that job. Uh, and I won't make any more comments about that. Now, just three days later, the Queen dies and Charles becomes King Charles III. And there are questions that we must ask here because few people know this, but King Charles is a member of the Economic Forum, the WEF. And he gave a message on the Great Set, the Great Reset. He is also very much a part of the Green Deal and climate control and change. So where this is going to lead us after the stable 70 years rule of his mother, Queen Elizabeth, where are they going to take us? It would seem prophetically that all roads now are leading to an, a rapid downward spiral, even more so than what happened after the end of World War II when the British Empire, Ephraim in prophecy, lost power, lost control, and ever since have been losing the empire today where we have just become a commonwealth of nations, with many nations. And rather than seeking God, the British Commonwealth, and we can add in here, that's who is Ephraim, and Manasseh, which we know today from prophecy and from our writings uh, and the prophecies of the Bible, 
America is Manasseh, upon whom the name Israel was named. Because Jacob, who God renamed Israel, named his name on those two boys. And if you're unfamiliar with that, that is all outlined in our book, Britain and America, or rather it's America and uh, Britain in Prophecy. And it's interesting because Queen Elizabeth traces her ancestry or her ancestry is traced back to the tribe of Judah. So this is very significant prophetically and what God has to say is going to happen to Judah and the other nations leading those nations being the United Kingdom uh, and the what is remains is the British Commonwealth and the United States. Because we as a people have left our God. We have departed from him and we have sought other gods. Take, for example, the Church of England. The Queen was a very noble, a very fine Queen. She kept the nation on an even keel for 70 years. That was her goal. She sacrificed much in her own life. Oh, yes, she had the luxury. She had animals, she was wealthy, but she dedicated her life many times going against her own personal desires to take care of the country. Look at the way she traveled the world, visiting the nations. Look at the way she made herself available. The first monarch that went down and met the people face to face and remembered many of them, even the very poor and lowly. However, what we are to understand from Scripture, being the head of the Church of England, is not the Church of the living God. And so that is a very important factor, because the Church of England is not the Church of God. It is not a Church of God. And those leaders at the head of the Church of England, the Archbishop of Canterbury, has a responsibility before God to preach the truth. Now, he knows it. But because people are so deceived by Satan and so engrowned in the lies and the hypocrisy of Satan the devil, the question is, are they prepared, or is he, is the Archbishop of Canterbury prepared to repent before God, proclaim God's law to the nation, and ensure that that is circulated throughout the British Empire or not? And the same is true for Manasseh. The United States, will the leaders turn to God? Well, I believe what we're going to see now, and I'm not making a prophecy here, but the trend, the way things are going, I think from this time on, we're going to go see things going downstream. And the indications from the past, although Prince Charles has been very active, 
in, in many areas and, and served his people, there is an element there that he needs as now the new regent, the new king, which is an office recognized throughout what is remains of the British Empire, the Commonwealth, to turn the people back to God. Will that happen? If he were to do that as head of the Church of England and instruct the Archbishop of Canterbury to call the whole church and the whole country to repentance, it is possible they could stave off the disaster that the nation, the Commonwealth, is bringing upon its own head. And the prophecies of that, we can read about that in our publication. American Britain and Prophecy, it's a story. Queen Elizabeth is of the house of Judah, as her records show. And as queen, she is queen over the house of Ephraim. Interesting. So the connection here is incredible. And now Charles. Charles III, I believe is his new title. King Charles III of the United Kingdom and its realms. Will he now turn the people back to God? Well, we'll have to wait and see on that, because if he doesn't, the United Kingdom and the rest of the empire will continue down the tubes into oblivion and eventually into captivity. So a great responsibility falls on the head of the new king. And we are, of course, to respect and pray for our leaders so that we can have peace in our time. But that peace is rapidly disappearing because of our breaking of the laws and commandments of our God. So the queen is dead. Long live the king is the way. And it's interesting that the queen was active right up until the third day before her death, when she accepted the role of the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Liz Truss. So she was active to the end. And she was a woman who promised to spend her life serving the British people, and she did. The one thing that she did not have, as far as we know, was a knowledge of some events of the true Sabbath day and the Passover, the correct day, because the Church of England and most churches in this world do not understand. Many of the leaders do, but because of tradition, the traditions of men, they have changed the days that God set right back from the creation. Now, God rested on the Sabbath day, which we know is the seventh day of the week. Today, we know that is Sunday. That began the weekly cycle. And the whole of creation was 
ordained around that so that we would know who the true God is. Any other day does not reveal the God of creation, the God of the Bible, and the God who chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then, of course, we know Joseph, and through Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh, who became the United States of America as Manasseh and Ephraim, the British Empire, which today is the Commonwealth of Nations. Even the name British has been dropped from there. Why is that? Because as a people, we have refused to obey and keep the commandments of God. We've changed God's Sabbath to Sunday. That's like spitting in the face of God. We don't keep his holy days. What do we keep? We keep all the pagan festivals as they were observed to some degree in ancient Babylon, which God destroyed. And if we as a people do not repent of our nations, the British people, the American peoples, the descendants of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh adopted by Jacob, who God changed his name to Israel, and God put that name Israel on Ephraim and Manasseh. So the two major nations today that are modern Israel happen to be the Commonwealth of Nations, the old United Kingdom, and America. We have turned our backs on God. We're literally spitting in our face as we bow to the God of this world, Satan. And unless we repent, we're going to pay the penalty. God is going to put us through such horrific punishment that we have brought upon ourselves. And we cannot blame God for this. And at this time, when the world is focusing on one day, we forgot everything else that's going on, particularly in, I'm sure, the 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 Commonwealth of Nations, and to some degree in the United States. We've had 24 hours coverage of the death of the Queen and the history rolling, and that's continued today and into the Sabbath day. We have full programs of the history of the Queen and the monarchy. But is the new king going to give leadership to the nation and confess himself and call in the Archbishop of the Church of England and tell him, Archbishop, you and I must repent before God. We must change. We must get back to keeping the Sabbath day of God. We must throw out this Eucharist, this so-called Lord's Supper. We must get back to the Passover, which is the only day that represents the death of Jesus Christ. If we don't get back to that as a nation, we are done for. Will there be any change? Well, 
That's hard to say because it seems that the new king has a program that very much fits in with the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab and others. Keynote speaker there saying the changes that need to be made, which are not the changes of God. And unless he repents and sits as the king over the house of Ephraim, which is today the British Commonwealth of Nations and was once the mighty nation or the mighty kingdom of the British Empire. No longer mighty. Why? Because we've turned to the embrace of Satan the devil. Sunday, as a people, both Britain, the Commonwealth, and America, what is the day? We're observing and worshipping on the day of Satan the devil. Sunday, the day of the sun. Now, it's interesting. If we go back to Exodus, Exodus, the 20th chapter. And what do we read? Which day is the day of God? The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's today. Is the main, are the main churches in the British Isles and the Commonwealth of Nations around the world coming together to worship the God of creation? Or are they going to be meeting tomorrow in dwindling numbers, of course, the day of the sun, which is the day that Satan is worshipped? Satan has deceived the nations. We read that in Revelation 12. We read it over and over again. Satan is the God of this world, as Paul says to the Corinthians, and he has deceived all nations. Yes, that includes all the descendants of Abraham, as well as the other nations of the world. And that's the reason why the body of Christ, the church that Jesus Christ has called out of this world, we have got that responsibility of preaching the word of God, of telling the nations their sins, because if they do not respond, modern Israel in particular are going into tribulation like we have never seen. And God is going to bring a punishment on all nations, and eventually we know through the feast days of God, which the churches of this world have rejected, and they've brought in the satanic days of the Lord's Supper, communion to replace the Passover, and so many other days, Christmas, Easter. God hates these days. Do we want to be hated by God? Or do we want the blessings of God? God blesses those that obey him. And God will bless anyone 
that he wants to bless in order to complete his plan. I think it's fairly clear that God blessed Queen Elizabeth because of the path that she took. She was concerned for her people. She went down amongst the people. She met them. She shook hands. She remembered details about them and can talk about them 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. She was concerned for the people. Did she keep the Sabbath day? No. Did she keep God's holy days? No. Did she keep the pagan holidays? Yes. Did she keep Sunday? Yes. But we have to compare that with the work that she did. Although the law of God would condemn her for the disobedience, it is my belief, and maybe I'm wrong, but God was able to use her to keep the British people together because she sacrificed her life. And I believe that in the kingdom of God, that will be recognized by God, that she tried to keep her people together. Where the British people are going from now, who knows? Unless they turn their hearts to God, they forsake their pagan practices of Sunday, of Easter, of Lent, you, know, you name it. All the holy days of God, Satan has managed to change them. And we know the blame is going to fall on the head of Satan. So is the Church of England, is that also known as the Anglican Church, a Christian church, or is it Christian in name only? Well, the name that God has given to his church is the Church of God. God has not given it any other name. Collectively, they're called the Churches of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ always kept the people and the church in the name of God the Father. And that's what we have to look to when we try to examine these other religions. And what was the true religion of God? Well, it's found in the pages of the Bible. And anyone who wants to search honestly the scriptures will discover this. And they can come to the truth. They can come to the knowledge of God. And the challenge is placed there before them by God when the gospel is preached and the church or the churches of God, if they are preaching the truth of God, then the people will be without witness. Now, if the church fails to preach the truth, if they preach some fairy tales, or if they preach philosophy, if they do not preach the word of God, and warn the people and tell the people their sins and encourage them to repent, then a burden falls upon that church. And we read in Revelation 2 and 3, the churches of God, who were given a commission down through the ages and even right up until today of what they should be doing. And if we read that, we can find the bottom line of what responsibility God has put on the churches. So again, the important factors are the seventh day Sabbath, which is the day that identifies the people of God 
Sunday does not in any way mean shape or form. Identify the people of God. God set the Sabbath day from creation. And the week ended with the seventh day. And that is reoccurrence. The Sabbath day is not the Sabbath of the Jews. And even the Jews who keep the Sabbath day are not necessarily keeping it the way that God commanded. Because they do not have access to the Holy Spirit unless they repent, unless they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their Lord and Master, as their High Priest and King. They're still waiting for that person, but he's already here, sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So we know that the sign of the people of God, there are two basic factors. One, they will be keeping the seventh day Sabbath. No other day. No other day counts. All other days are the days of Satan, the devil, and he has deceived the whole world. So it takes a calling from God for a person to really repent. That means to change, to turn from observing all the traditions of what is called Christianity today, but is actually a religion worshipping the devil by keeping Sunday and all the pagan holidays of ancient Babylon, which have been renamed and called Christian. Well, you can call them Christian, but it doesn't make them days that God gave. And the Bible shows us the days. God shows us the days he wants us to observe are the Sabbath day and his seven annual holy days, which show and reveal the plan of God. But Satan has so deceived the nations, even the people that God chose to be his special people, who today happen to be the British Empire, let me change that, the Commonwealth of Nations, and the United States of America. We're going 180 degrees in the opposite direction, and yet God called those peoples to take his laws and commandments to these nations so they would obey them and receive the blessings of God. We have refused to do that. And that's why God is bringing his judgment upon us. Yes, upon the nations of the British Commonwealth, once the mighty British Empire, and the United States of America. And we see the battles that are taking place in the United States right now. Is God going to give more time to the United States in order for the gospel to be taken to mankind, the warning of the calamity is going to come? That is coming. Is there going to be maybe a little more time, lenient, so that this gospel can be preached? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Let's have a look at a very important statement in the book of Peter, First Peter. 
1 Peter chapter 1 and let's have a look at verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 3. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the dead. Unto an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled and unfading reserved in heaven. Down here a little further. Verse 23, this is important. For you have been begotten again, not from corruptible seed, but from incorruptible seed. That incorruptible seed is the Spirit of God, by the living Word of God, which remains forever. And here's our human state without God, for all flesh is like grass, and all the glory of man is like the flower of the field. The grass has withered and its flower has fallen away. And Paul, rather Peter here, is quoting from the book of Isaiah. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the message that was preached to you through the gospel. So we have verse 22. We've been gotten again, not from corruptible seed, which is the human birth, the physical birth, because we all bear the sins from Adam and Eve. That was passed on down through the ages, but from an incorruptible seed, which is the Holy Spirit, by the living word of God, which remains forever. And that is where the difference is, is between the religions of this world and the church of the living God, because the church of the living God understands at least two things at a minimum. One, the Sabbath day, which identifies God. And secondly, the meaning of the Passover, the death of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. These are the two bare essential, the two minimal understandings for anyone in the church of God. Do the Protestant churches have these two understandings? Do they keep the Sabbath? Hmm. How about we look at Exodus chapter 31? We are probably all familiar with this, but Exodus 31 is a powerful scripture. It identifies who are the people of God, who are the followers of God, who are the children of God, one for physical Israel down through the ages, but two, it also identifies the church of the living God, spiritual Israel, as it is called in the scriptures. Verse 12 of Exodus 31, Correction, yes, Exodus 31. What do we read? Verse 12 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Now, if you happen to be a part of the British Empire or Commonwealth as it is today, 
or the United States of America. This is specifically, or to the nations of Northwest Europe, here is God's message. God is saying that we're to speak this to the nations. Truly, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Never done away with right from the book of Genesis. Chapter 2, when God rested on the Sabbath day, he blessed that day and hallowed that. Who has the audacity to speak in the face of God and say, well, God, we're going to change your day. We're going to make Sunday now the day that we worship you. And God, from his position on high, looks down on those leaders who deceive the people, inspired by Satan, the devil, and says, you know, you've got 60, 70, maybe 80 years to live and proclaim your lies, but you're going to die. I live forever. I created the heavens and the earth. It is me that structured the heavens and the earth to circulate around the Sabbath day where you will recognize me as God, the God of heaven, the God of earth, the creator, your flesh, and you are going to die. I live forever. But all those who are willing to obey me, those who are willing to listen to me, you will be with me for all eternity. But obedience is required. You obey me, I will bless you, I will look after you, I will look after your children, I'll look after your progeny, I'll provide for you, and I'll let you know what is truth and what is error. In fact, I've given you a book. It's called the Holy Bible. And all my truth is hidden in there. And if you're prepared to look and search out that truth, you will find the truth. Don't look to the religions of this world. No, not even those churches that call themselves Christian. Because they are not of me. The Church of England is not of me. The Episcopalian Church is not of me. The Protestant churches and the Catholic churches, the Roman Catholic churches are not of me. They are the deceptions. And as a result of the lies of Satan, the devil, which you have swallowed hook, line and sinker. Now, if you want to stop right there, and if you want to open the pages of the book that I inspired word by word by word, I will give you my truth so that you can understand between the truth and the lies that Satan percolates through his churches. Now, that is hard words to some people. Well, I've been an Episcopalian all my life. I've been, I've been a Church of England all my life. I've kept Sunday all my life. And do so, doing so, you're worshipping the devil. Any one of us to do that. I did that in the past. I was worshipping on Sunday. 
I was worshiping Satan the devil because that is the day of the sun. That is his day that he has deceived the whole world. And that's one thing we have to understand. Satan has deceived the whole world. Every last man, woman, and child, lock, stock, and barrel. It is only the word of God that can deliver you and that can deliver me from the lies, the filth, the corruption, and the false teachings that come from Satan, the devil, twisting the word of God. And so we need to be careful in studying the word of God to cast off what we have learned from these other churches and put our faith and trust in the word of God. It's there. It's discoverable. And we can discover it. Let's have a look at Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10. And uh, we have about 10 minutes left, so we'll spend our time there because these two scriptures are important. And, of course, as usual, uh, I think, I, I assume other elders do the same. We, uh, we have screeds of notes, and when it comes right down to it, uh, we're not able to cover it all, but that's good. It's always to have more material than less material, to be halfway through a sermon and, and run out of material. No, God feeds the mind of his servants. Sometimes we have difficulty in sorting out, well, some people, you know, like me, maybe have difficulty sorting through it, but nevertheless, God so floods the mind once you get onto a subject that it really becomes very powerful. So let's have a look at Hebrews, the eighth chapter. In Hebrews, the eighth chapter and verse eight, it's something very important. And this has to do, as we say, the incorruptible seed, because that's what God's word is called. In combined or in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, the incorruptible word. You see, that was the mind of Jesus Christ. It was totally incorruptible. What did he say? He said that Satan does not have one thing in me. Jesus was the perfect servant of his father, God. He obeyed every law, every word faithfully of his father. That's why he's able to be our savior. Satan comes along, gives us a counterfeit Christ, and the majority of the Christian or the religions that call themselves Christian today follow Sunday, the day of the sun, the day of Satan, worshiping Satan the devil. Oh, now that will strike a very unsavory chord in the minds of some people. But you've got to get over it. You've got to go to the Bible and find out which day God says is the Sabbath day from the creation. The seventh day of the week is the Sabbath day. And the Passover of the Lord Jesus Christ on Nisan the 14th, beginning at sunset, is the only day 
that God recognizes as the day that Jesus Christ died, gave his life for the world. If we try to keep any other day to remember that, we need to appreciate that it's a counterfeit from Satan the devil. And what is it? Jesus tells us in Rome, uh, Revelation, the 12th chapter, Satan has deceived the whole world. Now, are you able to take that on board and accept the fact that, wow, I've never thought of that before. The church I go to, the religion I follow. Am I being deceived or am I just following in the footsteps of my friends and relatives or my father and my mother? Have I checked the scriptures, the word of God, as to whether what I'm observing and keeping is true? Okay. Hebrews 8 and verse 8. This is God speaking. He said, for this is the covenant that I will establish with the house of Israel. And today we know the major nations of the house of Israel that Jacob, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, that God placed the name Israel on Jacob. And Jacob was also called Israel. Jacob put that name on the heads of the two sons of Joseph, adopted the two sons and called them. And today those two nations, whether you understand or not, are American Britain. Our book, United States Britain and Prophecy, covers that, available free of charge. For this is the covenant that I will establish with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will give my laws into their minds, and I will, I will inscribe them upon their spirits, or upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Let's go back to Exodus 31. What did God say? Verse 12. Exodus 31, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and this is so crucial to the face which the Bible eventually called the Christian face. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Truly you shall keep the Sabbath, for it is a sign. You catch that? The Sabbath day is a sign. What of? What is a sign between me and you? Throughout your generations to know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Does God sanctify those that are keeping another day, such as the day of the sun? No. And since God set this, no man, no high priest, no archbishop, no minister, no elder, has the authority 
to change what God has said. God lives forever. These false prophets will die. They'll be resurrected and they will have to face the judgment. So if you happen to be one of those, you better change your ways quickly and cry out to the Lord of God in repentance. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. And there we are today. We're observing the Sabbath day. We're looking into the word of God. For whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off among his people. Six days may your work be done. And God, in six days, created the heavens and the earth. So God wants us to work through those six days. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Is Sunday holy to the Lord? No, it's a work day. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, he shall surely be put together. Therefore, the children of Israel, and the name of Israel was put upon Ephraim and Manasseh, today the Commonwealth of Nations and the United States, to observe the, the Sabbath throughout their generations, well, just until the end of the kingdoms, until they go into captivity. Is that what God is saying? He said, no. He says, as a perpetual covenant. What does perpetual mean? Does it not mean everlasting? So we have to consider what we're going to do. So again, God says in verse 13 here, note this well. Truly you shall keep my Sabbath, for it is a sign. Today is that day. Today is the sign that identifies the people of God. But that's not the only sign. The other sign that is necessary is the observance of the true Passover. And you can read in the uh, writings of Paul in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, where he gave the instructions that on the very day that Jesus was crucified is the day which he kept, well, actually the night before, when he kept the Passover, which was an annual event, not the Lord's Supper, which is celebrated weekly, monthly, or whatever. The, the Lord's Supper is not the Passover. The Passover is observed on the, or as the sun, just after the sun sets on the 14th of Nisan, and that's easy to identify that particular day with the Roman calendar. So again, that's what God says. I want to point out two words here, the word give and the word inscribe. Because what God says for those who will follow him and worship him and study his word and study his law and obey his laws, this is what he's going to do. He says, I will give. Now, day by day, if we understand the law of God, then we keep that law. And as we keep it, what is God doing? 
Well, let's read on. I will give my law into their minds. In other words, as we read the scriptures and his laws, we will understand them. And as we understand them and observe them, what does God say he will do? He said, and I will inscribe them. In other words, he's going to deeply inscribe them, write them indelibly in their hearts, upon their hearts. And because of that, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, that is in Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Now, it's interesting when we go to the 10th chapter, he says it, but just a little differently. So let's have a look at the 10th chapter and verse 16. I won't take time to pause because I have the notes in front of me. This is the covenant I will establish with them in those days. Now, he's talking here about the house of Israel and all those people that God is calling today. But eventually this involves the house of Israel in a prophetic time which is after the return of Jesus Christ. But today, what God is doing, he's doing this within what he calls and what Jesus calls the church of God. Where is that church? Well, if you don't know where that church is, I urge you to seek that knowledge. After those days, says the Lord, after the, you know, the tribulation, the troubles, God bringing the nations of Britain and America and the rest of modern Israel, as well as all the other Gentile nations. Once he's brought them to their knees, once he's destroyed the paganism, once he's destroyed the, the opposition to his word and his law and people looking up at him and actually cursing him because of the destruction he's going to bring because of the disobedience of men, which is destroying the hearts and minds of all men. He said, I will give my laws into their hearts and I will inscribe them in their minds. So it says it just a little differently, but that's what God is doing today for those people that are willing to obey him and that have come to him. Okay. So that shows us, you know, uh, Hebrews uh, 8 and 10, how God is working within us because of this incorruptible seed. The incorruptible seed, which we probably didn't get quite to, but what God is doing is that when he calls somebody and that person repents of having broken God's laws. They cry out to God in repentance with a decision to change and be obedient to the laws of God. What God does is he forgives them. The person's baptized, they receive the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is God's mind. It's the way God thinks. It's a seed, and it's called the incorruptible seed. And it is that seed within us that we are to nurture by a study of God's word, to nurture by coming to God in prayer and in study, to understand his mind, to understand his will, and then to follow 
his mind, his will, and his desire for us because he wants us in his kingdom. But he is not going to take those sinners who will not keep his law, who will stick to a day that he never ordained and stick to all these religious practices that come straight out of Babylon the Great. Read Revelation 18 because Babylon the Great still exists today, primarily in the Church of Rome and the Protestant churches. God is calling the peoples to come out of that corruption, to come out of that paganism. To fail to do that, we as a people are going to suffer tribulation and troubles such as the world has never seen before. But eventually, God will bring his kingdom to pass, and Jesus Christ is going to sit up the kingdom of God on earth. Let's close just by turning to 1 John, the fifth chapter. And let's read from verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin. Now, unrighteousness, of course, is identified by God's commandments, namely the Ten Commandments and the unpacking in the rest of the Bible of the meaning of those Ten Commandments. And there is a sin not unto death. We know that anyone who is begotten by God does not practice sin, for the one who has been begotten by God keeps himself by the power of God. We know that uh, we are God and that the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in we and we are in him who is true, and in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. The religions of this world basically are following idols and idol worships, and behind those idols is Satan the devil, and all the practices and all the teachings are his. Now, the Holy Spirit is the incorruptible seed. And uh, Peter talks about this. And once that incorruptible seed is placed within us by our study of the scriptures, by our daily communications with God, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our high priest, that seed that is within us grows. And as that seed grows, it continues to push out the sin that dwells within. So we come to that place where God puts us under his protection, his guidance. He protects us from Satan the devil, and it gives us the power to resist Satan the devil. And that incorruptible seed is precious for us. We are to feed that Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what? It is the mind of God the Father and Jesus Christ dwelling within us, guiding us, directing us, and pointing us to the Father. It is the very element, God's Spirit within us, that gives us that insta instant contact with God the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and through his Son, Jesus Christ, and also with one another. It is that Spirit 
that gives us the ability to love one another. And that's a command because God looks down upon his children and he sees if you and I are loving our brothers and sisters and even the world as God loves it, even though he's going to punish it, God knows, God sees that we also love him. He knows that we are truly his begotten sons and daughters and he knows and he's ready to change us as Jesus Christ returns and brings us all into his family, into his kingdom. And then comes the great marriage feast of Christ and then begins the salvation of the rest of mankind through the 1,000-year period reign of Christ, the removal of Satan, and all those who died not in the face, but not a part of the incorrigible dead, incorrigible sinners, but those who have not yet had the opportunity to receive the salvation that God will offer. And they will be offered that salvation without the presence of Satan the devil.